Welcome back to the Creative Endeavor Podcast. This is the podcast bringing you inspiring stories from creative professionals from around the world. It's real conversations with real artists. And I'm Andrew Tischler, and it is such a pleasure to have your company here in the studio once again. Now, go and put the coffee pot on, boil the kettle, do what you got to do, get comfy in the studio, grab your brushes, get ready to start painting. This is going to be a really fantastic podcast. I'm so excited to share this with you. A really inspiring guy. So I'll give you a minute to get yourself set up here and then we can kick back and enjoy this episode. Now, in this episode of the podcast, I'm talking to Chris Fornatero. You might know him as Paint Coach on YouTube. I've been following Chris for quite some time, watching his videos. He's just got such a great style, a sense of presence and authority. And he just creates some fantastic, consistently awesome video content that he's putting out on his YouTube channel. Now, I've been watching him pretty much from the beginning where he was growing from, you know, as we all do, starting from the beginning, a few hundred subscribers to a few thousand. Now, he's nearly got 200,000. In fact, by the time you're listening to this, he's probably cracked 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. Now, having done that myself on YouTube, I can tell you right now from firsthand experience how hard that is to do. It takes consistency, it takes showing up, and it takes producing some pretty decent videos. But listen, I, I, let me just say this about Chris's videos. They're excellent. He's just got such a great way of delivering a complicated thing, you know, oil painting. It, it, it can be a bit tricky, but he's got a way of breaking down the process and I just appreciate what he's doing. And they're, they're a lot of fun. <laughs> some of his videos are, are just fantastic. Check out when you get onto his uh, YouTube channel, and I'll make sure I put a link in that that goes uh, link to it that goes with this podcast. You'll find that in the uh, description that accompanies this episode. Check out the one on on Nicholas Cage. Fantastic video. He's painted one portrait after another of Nicholas Cage and just filled up the canvas. It was awesome. Anyway, in this episode, I wanted to really pick Chris's brain about you know, his approach to painting, but also his approach to his creative journey. The one thing I'm finding here with these podcasts and reaching out and talking to all these artists from around the world is just everybody's got a unique story. And my hope with these episodes is that you'll find just one thing, just one idea, one strategy, just one little thing you can take out and plug into your creative business, your creative journey. And if that works, awesome. And I, I just, I get so much out of hearing these stories from other people and now I'm hooked. Now I'm just doing it. Now look, this is, I had no idea where the podcast was gonna go. I mean, this is a, a free show essentially that you're listening to. Yeah, I've got the exclusive video version, which is awesome. And there are visuals and there's, uh, and you get to see me and, and then my guest in, the, in each of our studios. And that's totally cool. And it's only five bucks a month. And I'm putting out pretty much a podcast just about every week now. I might miss a week here and there. You know, it gets busy. You know how it is. You're busy too. I get it. But, um, you know, I gotta say, what really blows me away is the feedback that I get from these shows. Now, there's lots of ways that people can get in touch with me. 
often it's uh, through social media, through my Instagram page or on Facebook or via email or via that little contact form on my website or just the comment section. I'm reading that comment section and I'm blown away. So many people are getting in touch now just saying, hey, that episode or that conversation with that really cool artist, that did something for me. Man, I've got a new idea or that got me out of my creative rut. Thank you for, and I tell you what, man, that, that, that really motivates me. That really drives me. And, you know, even though this is kind of niche still, hopefully it's not niche for too much longer, but even though it is kind of niche, it's that kind of feedback that I'm getting from you. Um, man, that just really propels me forward. And I feel like this is going somewhere. If you're getting something out of this, if you've taken a strategy from one of the guests that we've had on this show uh, and it's worked for you, then hey, do me a huge favor. Share this episode with a friend. Share this on your social media. Jump onto the Patreon page and uh, follow me over on Patreon. Again, it's only five bucks a month and uh, support the show that way. But um, get the word out there for me if you, if you could. I'd really appreciate that. And at the very least, leave me a rating or a review on this podcast. It does help those pesky algorithms and those AI bot thingos. And, you know, they're, they're all Terminators as far as I'm concerned. You've seen the movie. It's coming. But uh, no, listen, it helps. It helps kind of, they'll favor you if you, <laughs> my show anyway, with uh, if, if you kind of put in a review and, and put some stars on there or something. However, we're, I don't even know how it works. How does that work? A rating, a review. You know how to do it? You got this? Okay, cool. All right, get off that one, Andrew. Chris Fornatero, inspiring young dude, pank coach. Without further ado, here he is in the creative endeavor. Chris Fornatero, Paint Coach, welcome to the Creative Endeavor Podcast. What a pleasure to have you here. Oh, man, I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. <laughs> been a, yeah, I've been a avid watcher of yours and listening to the podcast for a very long time. Uh, awesome. I think my favorite, a couple of my favorite episodes, uh, the Dr. D. Martini. Is that the first one you did? Uh, I think that he was number. Was I think he was number three. Yeah, yeah. But he was, he was right, right yeah, up there early. in the beginning. Yeah, early days. Because <laughs> there's there, there's not many art podcasts. And when you started doing this, I was like, yes, finally, somebody like something I can listen to, other than like an audio book while I paint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so. I, I, I'm trying, man. I'm trying to pro provide something that's really interesting for people to listen to, and and this is why I, I kind of try to have really interesting people on like yourself as well. I know we're going to get into it here in this conversation, but this is where I kind of love to, uh, to start off the, the podcast and, mm -hmm. and uh, really get a sense because it's not just about art. It's really is, you know, about the artist mm -hmm. and, and, and what yeah. makes, what makes an artist and what, what are artists thinking about what's driving them let's kick things off. I'd love to hear about your story because likewise, I've been following you on YouTube for a while and watching some <laughs> of your videos and they're really cool. And, and I got to say, anytime somebody can build up their channel to, to nearly, you're, you're within a cat's whisker of 200,000 subs on YouTube. 
That's impressive. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know how hard that is to get that kind of following. So credit where credit's due, man. I see you working hard, grinding it out. Where did you start? How did you end up where you are now? And give us a snapshot about who we're talking to. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I'm one of the people I just, I was drawing when I was two years old. Um, and honestly, since then drawing or painting, it's just like breathing to me. Like I've always done it without even thinking about it. Like no matter what my life situation was, no matter what other things I was doing, I always found a way to be drawing or painting. Um, and it got kind of weird because I, as I grew up, I, I excelled a lot in, in sports and just, you know, growing up, people tend to like put that up higher. So you get like a lot of feedback from that. And so um, I like really heavily pursued football in high school and that got me into college at USC. Um, and it was kind of weird because I was always this, football player that you know one most creative in high school and was like this artist and people I feel like a lot of people didn't know how to place me I remember I had like a speed training coach and he said Christopher you're what they call a paradox you you paint and you do athletics I'm like I don't like think about it. I just do what I want to do and I really think there's no difference between the two um, I think there's a lot of overlap between art and athletics um more than people think and uh and so I went to I went to college at USC I was only on the football team one year because I realized I didn't want to major in football <laughs> uh and it was just it was a grind it was a job and I remember I said I I got like my first uh semester of classes I didn't have a painting course and I was just like so overwhelmed with like school and football and all this stuff. And I wasn't thinking about it. I got about two weeks into it and I was like, I need a painting course. And so I went, switched out, got into a painting class and I, it was painting one and I'd missed the day to submit your portfolio. So they place you in a painting class. And so I walk in there with like my, like my football stuff on and the professor looks at me and it's just like, oh, this guy's just trying to get an easy class to pass. And I'm like, can I set up? Cause they were painting a still life. And he's like, yeah, you can, you can try. I mean, we're two weeks in and you can try and catch up. I was like, all right, thanks. I set up and like, by the end of the class, I was further along than everybody. And he was like, you need to get into paint. You need to get into a higher level of painting. I'm like, I can't. They said I didn't do the portfolio thing. So I'm, I'm just stuck here, but I have a studio, right? I can come here whenever I want. He said, yeah, yeah. You can come in whenever you want. So I just, I went there all the time. I would go in. I, you know, outside of hours, I'd be in there more outside of class, like the amount of hours that I put in, um, just because I don't know, I never saw it as hard or anything or like, oh, I need to put in the hours. It was just I there was nothing else I'd rather be doing. Um, and I found it kind of frustrating with art school. And it's funny because I remember you were like you were the first person that I saw videos of someone talking about art school uh not in the the most fondest terms I'm, and i was like oh so like someone else <laughs> yeah because yeah. it was it was it was just all conceptual and i was, i really wanted to learn how to draw i wanted to learn how to paint and it was kind of frustrating that there was no one there to do that and i was left on my own uh to figure it out uh online the most i could and you know this is back in 2012 when uh YouTube wasn't what it was. So it was, you know, 
go buy, uh, you know, in, whoever had like a $170 DVD that might be okay. <laughs> it's just, there wasn't a lot of content. Um, and I really learned a lot of painting. Like I, I, I had a base level of oil painting from high school. I took a class, one class uh, outside of my high school with a painter named Thomas Van Auken in Richmond, Virginia. And he gave me the basics. Like he gave me like a really good foundation. Um, but after that, I was kind of left to pull from online, uh, especially when YouTube got bigger and people started putting out stuff and video equipment got easier to handle. So more painters were making videos and stuff. I could kind of cobble together my own education. And I think that's a big part of why I started my channel and why I do it the way I do it because I, 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 I learned painting the way people are trying to learn painting from my channel. Like I learned through online videos. So I know what it's like to not have somebody there with you to be trying to figure out this out on your own, hearing a bunch of different things from a bunch of different painters that are all really, really good. <laughs> and you don't know what to do. Um, so I started the channel because I, I mean, honestly, I'm not saying this because I'm on your, on your podcast, but like I saw what you were doing and I was like, there's might be something that like, there's something here. And I had a film background. And so I, I feel like this could be a good mesh. Um, and I just started doing it and I was just, pretty relentless with it <laughs> like I've always said like I'm not really good at stuff when I first start but if I get enough time to get enough reps in I can figure it out and I mean some of my video first videos are pretty bad but <laughs> when I heard like when I kept like watching people talk about building YouTube channels and there's like you know just you gotta upload regularly just be consistent, be consistent. I'm like, Oh, I can be consistent. Like that's, that was like, you know, my whole life and, and football and stuff and, and training was just being consistent. So I'm like, I can do that. I think I got a decent handle on this painting thing. Um, and it, it was, I mean, it's a big learning curve too. I mean, I didn't know much tech stuff. I didn't know anything about filming. I didn't know anything about editing. I had to learn to edit. Uh, and so it was a big learning curve for me. And it's funny because now people, I think they, when, when I talk to other painters, they're like, oh, well, you, you, you know, that editing stuff. I'm like, yeah, I didn't always know it. Like I had to learn it. Uh, it it's not like I just knew it and it was easy. It was, it was pretty difficult. Um, so yeah, I just built the YouTube and it, that's brought opportunities that I didn't even know existed. That's so awesome. That's yeah, awesome. That's <laughs> there, there's so much there to unpack. Yeah, so much there to unpack. But I, I, um, I I heard you say a couple of things. There's a couple of words that come through. So this, this link, this tie-in between you know sports, athletics, the physical, and the art. Like you, you saw this thing where it was like they they were almost in sync with one another. And and hence your Mm -hmm. tell us more about your 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 name on YouTube, Paint Coach. Because I, I love that, man. Because when I'm watching your videos, I really do feel it's like, okay, uh, let's get our reps in. Let's do this. You know, it, it does feel, and there's a sense of presence and authority to the way you're delivering a, a video. And it's like, 
Yeah, actually, I, I find myself watching, like I just watched one just the other day where you're painting an apple and you're like, if you can paint this, you can paint anything. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that is such a cool video. Like I can see that unlocking yeah. <laughs> so much for so many people. And it even got me thinking about like just the planes and around form just a little bit different. You know, it was really, really cool. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit more about, about that, about like where you see that tie-in between the physical and something that's really kind of um, cerebral, you know, which is painting. Um, I think, I think from being in, in sports so long, I've always kind of had one foot in each world. Like I was always in sports and always doing art stuff, whether it was painting. Um, I've been making films since I was, 11 and through high school and then out of high school and stuff and you know I was in theater school and there was just always an aspect in the arts that kind of bumped me which was this kind of lack of efficiency of what worked of like when you're trying to get better at something you know it's yeah there are two parts you know there is a part that isn't technical with art that is you just you have to feel it and you can't really pin it down and it's hard to explain but there is a part where you can, there are things that you can get better at. Uh, and I just really like that direct approach and coming from sports where everything was very direct. There's no wasted time. It was do this, this, you know, results to get this, get this. And I've heard a pain, uh, that first paint instructor, he had a really good way of like putting it whenever he was talking about things. He's like, there's no, rule he's like I don't like to say there's rules in painting he's like but there is cause and effect there is doing certain things that will have a certain effect you know how you paint your values the colors you choose your composition like all these things are tools that you can use that will have an effect and it's up to you to decide how to use it but first you got to learn how to use them like you got to learn how to harness your tools and I just I don't know. I've just, I'm so occupied with just, I think like get being able to have the skill to do what I want to do with my work. And I feel like I haven't even started painting things that are like my own. Like I've just been so into honing my skills. Cause I would just, for so long, I'd see painters that in their paintings, I'm just like, man, like I don't even, how do they do that? Like whenever I look at someone's work, and I don't know how they did it. Like, there's a lot of people that look at their work and it's really impressive, but I'm like, all right, I can kind of see, like, I understand how you get there, but sometimes I'll see painters and I'm just like, that's like a magic trick to me right now. And, but as time goes on, there's less and less of those magic tricks because you get better and you kind of figure things out. Um, so yeah, with the, the channel, when I came up with pain coaches, I was like, I just want to be very direct because I know what it's like looking online for stuff to paint and, uh, you know, having to sift through any fluff or anything like that. I'm just like, I just want to get, get right to it. Um, and so I just went that way and just every time I made a new video, just trying to, uh, make it better, listen to the audience, see what they're getting, see what they're not understanding. And there's, I think that's a big thing is just that gap between you and the student because you kind of forget the questions that you had when you first started you know you think like you're trying to think like oh like what are people struggling what are people struggling with and then like I'll talk to a student or something and they'll be like oh I didn't you know I just noticed Chris that you uh 
you twist your brush when you paint and to get the paint off like another side. I'm like, yeah, I do. I do do that. <laughs> like I tell you, for, it's just so instinctual. Like when I'm painting to just spin it in my hand to get the paint off different sides. But someone just starting out isn't really aware of that. Um, and so I, I really like figuring out those little things or, you know, paint thickness or just trying to get it, just try and simplify things. Cause I would, I would, whenever I talk to people that do watercolors or acrylics and, I, and they're like, Oh, you do oils. I've always wanted to do oils. I'm terrified of oils. And I'd be like, there's nothing to be afraid. Like it's not as complex as you think. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be super complex. Like it can, but you know, when I took that, like when I took that first painting course, when I was 17, it was just, here's some linseed oil, some paints. We had a, a figure model and it was just go. And it, that really opened me up. I was like, Oh, like, I like this. Like I, this, this, this works for me and, and fits with me. That's, that's really, wow, man. That's yeah. That's really interesting. I, it's funny when you say that because I, I, it's so bizarre the timing as well. Talking to you, there are no accidents as far as I'm concerned. Oh no! But uh, but I uh, I was just talking to Rachel this morning, and I'm I'm putting together right now my beginner's course in oil painting, and um and and she's because Rachel does a lot of the customer service, and she's answering emails from people. And she's like, well, there's one thing everybody wants to know. It's like when your brush goes off the screen to dip it into the medium and you've got a particular ratio that you keep talking about, people want to actually see how you mix that in. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I've never actually shown that. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's one of those things. It's like, it's like, how do you incorporate it? And it's, I, I totally get that. You know, the way you twist the brush there, there's so much, I, I'd say maybe like, okay, maybe two thirds or three quarters of it is there. But then it's all the stuff you're doing off camera that people don't actually pick yeah. up on, right? So um, I, I need to find another better way of documenting it. But but I, I find that really cool. Look, just before before we we kind of move on from your personal story and your and your beginnings, <laughs> um, can you tell me a little bit more about USC? Because you were saying something about a theater background. So here you've got this this oh, yeah. football guy who loves painting, yeah. but he's also doing theater. What was, like when you were a kid, like what was the dream? It sounds like there were so many things that were vying for, for your attention and direction. You know, am I going to be a footballer? Am I going to be an artist? Or am I going to be an actor or whatever? Like what, 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 what was the drive with the theater? And what was the initial attraction <laughs> to that field? Um, I've always loved movies. And when I was 11, me and my two best friends got a camera. And this is back when, when getting a camera was special. Like they weren't on phones. This is, you know, 2001. And we just started making short films. And each year we got a little better. We put more effort, put more money, and we just kept going and going. And then like our senior year, we actually saved up some money, you know, a, a lot in terms of like high school kids standards. And like we filmed a 30 minute horror movie showed it at our school in the auditorium of 200 people and like people loved it like people were like jumping at the scary parts and stuff and like man we should keep like we really like doing this and so I got the, the reason I applied or like tried to get into USC for football was because it was in Los Angeles and there was a film school and uh so I went out there a year later my best friend came out there who's a director he's actually a professional editor right now and I was like, I always wanted to, you know, pursue filmmaking, acting and acting was just the, I was just always the one that just happened to be in front of the camera because I didn't know how to operate the camera. 
And so I kind of got the love for it there. And then I did theater school and just learned a lot. And it, it really kind of opened up my world because I was so like, just so sports and, and athletics and theater is completely different, completely different type of people, completely different environment of really putting yourself out there. Like every day you're getting up in front of people and performing. And I've always been pretty introverted. And so that was like a pretty, that was a pretty, you know, not difficult, but like a really good time for growing. And we got, I got out of, uh, got out of college and then we kept doing it. And we actually, a few years ago, made a short film. Uh, they were actually able to get a, a well-known actor in Denzel Whitaker and went to a few film, went to actually a good decent amount of film festivals um, and a YouTube channel that hosts short films uh, put on their channel. And it's like one of their top performing videos. I think it's got, you know, like 3 million views now or something. Um, so it was pretty successful in that term. Uh, you know, those give, terms us, and, give us the name of that video right now. Come on. Uh, let's go ahead. <laughs> it's, it's on, um, it's on the channel is called Amaletto and it's called Will the Machine. And it's actually about a, it's about the number. I I'm actually in it. I wrote it produced it in a minute and it's about the number one high school football recruit in the country who uh has mental problems uh because he is he's pretty much created this separate persona in his mind to be so dominant and so uh he's just so ambitious and the short the movie uh is about what happens when he meets somebody who is his match that's just sheer talent like he's, it's kind of, kind of what happens when hard work meets talent and it kind of throws him for a loop. Uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of like a character study of this super high performing guy, uh, because that's those, those kind of people have always fascinated me. Uh, the people that give so much of themselves into what they do, no matter what it is. And yeah. where do you draw, where do you draw that line to where it starts to be a hindrance? Like Michael wow. Jordan, yeah. you know, yeah. if they ever made a, a movie about that guy, I think a lot of people wouldn't see him in the same light for how kind of crazy he was. But why haven't they? That's a really interesting one because he's he's a fascinating character, isn't he, from that point of view? Yeah, he's I mean, if you pay attention to him, he's very careful with his uh, public image. Um, he always has been even that documentary, they made like a six or seven part documentary the last dance on him in 2020 and i was actually one of the few people who was kind of disappointed with that because i felt like they didn't show that much and i think i've always had the suspicion that because he was a producer on it and i had the suspicion that he probably had them cut a lot of stuff out because yeah, it just yeah. seemed kind of it's all vanilla to me. I'm like, oh, yeah yeah I'm like <laughs> you left a lot out of there because yeah. he you know there's some pretty crazy stories about him and just how competitive uh, he was and how being the best was his number one priority amongst anything. Um, so yeah, just those kind of people always fascinated me. And so we had this short that was uh, a lot like that. And so, and I relate to that a little bit with painting, like I can get pretty carried away. 
a lot of times I was family's like, you got to get out, you got to stop painting. I'm like, it's so, it's just easy though. Like it's easy just to sit there and paint all day. Oh man, the hours just melt away. And then you've got another, another Nicolas Cage face on the, on the canvas. Just, yeah, you yeah. Say, yeah. I want to talk to you about that painting, by the way, it's hanging behind you right now. So for, yeah. the, people, for the people watching the video version, they're going to have a real treat. Oh, I love that painting. The, yeah. My favorite, my favorite face in there is when the wind's hitting his hair and Nicolas Cage is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah. Man. Nailed it. Nailed it. But okay. So what I'm going to do as well for the people listening to this, as well as, you know, the people watching, I'm going to put a link in the description below to that film uh, on Amaletto of oh, yeah. Will, Will the Machine. That yeah. is, that is so stinking cool, man. That is really, really awesome. So, so wow. I mean, this is, this is something I find you really, really interesting is that there are so many, there's so many paths. Everybody has got a unique journey for how they end up as an artist you know, and it's, there's mm -hmm. no, there's no like one path. It's like, oh, here's the artist path. You just put one foot in front of another and, and, and you go in <laughs> yeah. this direction. It's like, man, it's, it's amazing to hear how many different ways people end up there. So, so you're really accomplished with, with your style now. And, and in terms of, you know, the, the way your, your paintings look beautiful, like they've got a really slick graphic quality to them. Again, I hope you don't mind me saying that, but a lot of the portraiture, like behind you, I see, I don't recognize the guy on the far left of, of my screen, but I see, I see Bill Murray and I see Nicholas yeah. Cage and then I see, I see Jordan and then somebody else next oh, yeah. to him there. Um, yeah. But tell me what is, when, when we look at your body of work and your, and your paintings, are you painting for galleries? Are you painting for clients and commissions? Or are you thinking mainly as, no, I am paint coach and I, this painting is specifically to teach somebody this? That is a great question that I feel like I just answered like this past, past month to myself. Because when you're a painter, you're kind of, you know, the, the main thing is like, oh, galleries, commissions, and that's what I've had in my head since, you know, day one, day one, that's just everybody has. And I feel like I just subconsciously never let that go until this past month where I'm like, all right, well, at least for right now, like I'm 31, I got a lot more years to paint. And I think right now I I'm, I mean, I, cause I am, I'm creating stuff to teach and whatever can get somebody to paint. I'm like, I'll do it. Like if, if a painting of a celebrity is going to catch your eye and want to click on the video and learn, like that's, that's what I'll do because, and it's, it's crazy because I, I had the realization, like, at least for myself right now in my life, it is way cooler to me to give the gift of painting to somebody. If like one of my videos gets somebody just going and just get that momentum like that means more to me than being in any gallery or selling any you know piece of work for whatever price like to be able to get like people to start painting is like that's everything like i just got the other day a, an email from a guy who's like hey your your videos have really helped me like it's gotten me starting to paint um you know you break it down it's so simple I'm a quadriplegic and I'm painting with the brush in my mouth. And I'm like, that oh, wow. is oh, wow. awesome. Yeah. And I was, yeah. I was like, good. Like you're doing it. Like you're doing it. And awesome. I was like, that's, and you know, it's given it and he's doing good. Like, 
I'm like, you're not going to, you know, it's just, I was trying to give him advice. I was like, you know, it's, it's funny because my dad, when I was playing football, everybody would say, he's going to hurt his hands. He's going to hurt his hands. And my dad would always say, it's not in his, it's not in your hands. Like it's like your ability's not in your hands. Like you'll find a way to do it, but just things like that of just giving people like, cause I don't know where I'd be without painting. Like, it's just something I've always had. And if I can give that to somebody, you know, it's, you know, right now that's, that's the most, you know, gratifying thing I, I can do right now, but I might definitely have a lot of ideas for paintings and like concepts and, you know, I'm into movies. So I have a lot of big, like kind of theatrical type things that I'd like to take the time to, to flesh out and get on the canvas for right, sure. Give, give me an example. <laughs> me, I, I can tell you're a movie guy. I mean, hence some of the subjects that you're yeah. painting, but, but g- give me an example of one of these bigger theatrical paintings that you, you'd love to get into. Oh, oh man. There's, there's a lot. I mean, I just, I don't know. My, my mind will just go to certain things. I'm like, that'd be kind of a cool painting. That'd be kind of a cool painting. I, I got a, I, I wrote a script about, uh, a, a big game hunter in Alaska who's like hired to uh, like shoot and kill animals that are causing problems on like drilling sites in Alaska and stuff. And it's just this like old grizzled guy with his dog. He has, you know, he's lost his hand. It's like one of his hands, like this metallic, you know, animatronic hand and his whole life is just like going out there and kind of taking revenge on nature. And throughout the course of the story, you kind of figure out like why he has this crazy vendetta on nature and i've just always wanted to like do a scene with him somehow uh i've always wondered if i kind of missed my calling doing uh like concept art <laughs> or something for movies because i don't know i always see concept art uh, and i'm always like that's i don't know that's cool like mm-hmm. i just because i'm just i'm drawn to like cinematic type things yeah um and i don't know it's I don't know. I've, I've, I haven't let myself indulge in it too much. Cause I know if I do, I'll get carried away. And like, I won't make, I won't make any YouTube videos for a long time. <laughs> I can only, I can only do like one thing at a time. I'm not great at multitasking. It's like, all right, I'm doing this right now. And then I'll move and do this and do that. But See, I mean, that, that's, that's maybe why I need a bit more of the paint coach in my life because I, I'm, <laughs> I'm having a real focus problem. It's like, people are like, oh, how are you finding the time to do that? Like, what, what, what's going on? I'm like, I, I don't have any time. And I'm like doing this, and now I'm doing that, and now I'm doing the other. And just getting time to focus on like one thing and one project is very difficult for me. There's so many, dude, I'll get like 16 cans of worms on my desk and I'll just open the lid on all of them and just watch yeah. them crazy. Like, no! um, but it's interesting what you're saying about movies because I've, I've been really obsessed with, art in movies for a long time. And, and I'll say again, with, with just the, you know, I, I'm not a big movie guy now in terms of, mm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so disillusioned with the whole industry. And I, I, gotta, I gotta throw this out there because, you know, I, I see so much of the agenda in, in movies coming through as, a, as, a, as, you know, people wanna go down this rabbit hole of predictive programming. It's a way that culturally, uh, cultures can be swayed to think and feel a particular thing about a particular subject because they saw it in a movie. Yes, that actually works. Yep. And and these projects have been declassified now. Look up Project Mockingbird. Okay, now I really just got this uh, yeah. this podcast flag. 
But you know, <laughs> that, that to one side, the art that's in a movie, like when you think about what a concept artist has to do for a movie, is how do you create something that communicates instantly? And it's like, whoa, like would Avatar mm. be Avatar if not for the art? Like you've got it when when that when that quadcopter or whatever it is is going through the Hallelujah Mountains. Like, oh my goodness, I still remember those scenes where, yeah. and I was just thinking about this the other day, like that would make a cool painting, you know? And But mm -hmm. somebody, we're forgetting that somebody actually painted that. Somebody actually, yeah. and, and, and there's a huge history of people that were physically painting paintings, oil paintings, like, you know, Peter Ellenshaw, Treasure Island, and, and the guys who were doing Empire Strikes Back. Those were oil paintings. Yeah. Indiana Jones, yeah. those were oil paintings. Like, that's the coolest thing. So like art and movies, I've been fascinated with that connection there for a long time. Um, but I tell you something else, like Anthony Avon, a, a recent podcast episode that I did, shout out to Anthony. Um, he got me into ArtStation. Like I, I, I just signed up, mm -hmm. created an account with ArtStation. I've been looking at people's uh, digital matte paintings on art station uh, it's causing me to look at my traditional work a little bit differently because i like digital as well it's oh man it's so cool it's so cool it, what you can do with an image I've, I've i've seen you doing more and more of the digital and i i started doing it just to like do critiques for for students and stuff on photoshop and then the other a month or so ago i started just blocking out just to simplify a scene before painting it just to see if it would work and, and see the shapes and the values and see what I can do with it. And I've always been scared to go into that because I don't know about you, if you've had this happen, I've had this happen to me, I'll be painting and I'll make a mark that I'm not that happy with. And for a split second in my mind, I'll want to do edit undo. <laughs> uh, and like first I'm like, that's, you're not, at that's the, not good. That's not good. You're at the easel going, control Z, control Z, control Z. Yeah. yeah. Escape, and escape. I've, <laughs> and I, I totally sick. There, there's so many benefits to it. Yeah. And it's really cool. But there's just like a, an old school part of me that thinks that's that's one step. That's one step into the matrix. That's one step oh, away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's Look, okay. So, so I, I okay. Metaverse <laughs> to one side. I, I've said before in the podcast, there's a line that I'm not going to cross. And, and it's when, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I, I said this in the podcast with Samuel Earp, you know, that there's a guy out there um, who's, let's just say, I'm going to call him Dr. Evil, but he said, we're going to take your digital self and your biological self, and we're going to merge the two. And then you hear, yeah. you know, Zuckerberg coming out with this metaverse. I'm not going into the metaverse. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are traditional artists out there that feel like, okay, this digital thing, it's just not art. It's just not, it's not a dumb thing. You're no longer an artist. Now, now you, you step into the realm of hackery, you know, you're, you're a hack now you're, you're, you're using this as a crutch because obviously you can't, or it's cheating or it's a shortcut. And I, I, I look at it like, okay, it's a tool. It's a tool. And, and you're never going to get around the fundamentals of art in a digital medium. If you're dealing with, you know, line, tone, shape, composition, you know, color, you know, all, all these different things, all the elements of design, all the building blocks of what makes a great image is there. What I'm interested in is a tool that will help me work out a composition that I could then take to the easel. I'm convinced it has certainly helped me from a time standpoint, which means I'm able to do more work, which is great. 
but I am an oil painter at the end of the day. I've had a lot of digital artists who are really upset with me for saying that, that, that digital was a means to an end. So I'm not, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not making anybody happy over here, but all I'm doing is just saying, <laughs> saying, you know, this is, this is, this is what I, what I'm really into. I'm, I'm into, I, I'm interested in a tool that can make my painting better. What I don't do, and, and I, I don't, I re- want to be really careful that I don't um, be overly critical here for anybody that is using this as a method, because there's some people that really struggle with their drawing. And if they want to trace a photo, I, I prefer they just get painting. And if, if tracing a photo helps them access yeah. that, do it, go for it, make yourself happy. I, I'm, I've got no problem with that. Personally, I, I, I need to draw it out. I always have to draw by hand. So I'm sitting here right now, like, check this out. Like on my little desk here. I mean, there's my tablet. There's my Wacom tablet. Oh yeah. And, and so yeah. I, I'm physically, I'm drawing it with my stylus there. And, and the whole image has got to be generated by me. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's either in the sketchbook or here on the tablet. I don't know. I, so I, I, at first, at first I was that guy, you know, it's like, no, I'm traditional all the way. And I, I didn't want to embrace it at all. But then I was like, you know what, there's something here that could be really, mm-hmm. really beneficial. One more thing on that. Um, and I know I, I would really love to connect again with Virgil Elliott and have a chat to him about this on the podcast. Um, you know, when I was talking to Christopher Remmers about this, um, there is evidence, I feel, that there was a lot of artists who used technological advances to, in order to improve their paintings, like the camera obscura or the camera lucida yeah. or, you know, curved mirrors, for instance. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I think to, uh, Tim, uh, out of Tim's Vermeer, I can't remember his last yeah. name, but, but that guy was onto something. I think he unlocked a way that Vermeer would have created one of his paintings. I, I thought it was mm-hmm. a fascinating presentation. So anyway, that 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 being what it is, I, I I am a big fan of technology and what it can offer artists. I think it's cool. And uh, yeah, I've never been like against it or for like I really I, I'm a big believer in do whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because with the technology thing, it's like all right, well, where are we going to draw the line? You know, are you know we? I can go and buy you know uh, paint already in the tube. I don't have to go ground it up. That's an advantage. That's a different thing that they didn't have to do. They couldn't do you know hundreds of years ago. So you know, just the mediums we have, this the already stretched prime canvas. Like, where do you of the photograph using a photographic reference? It's like all right. So where where's the Good line going to be drawn? Then you're you're just going to cut it off at because I'm drawn it and it's coming up on a screen you know if that works fine i mean i I, like i said i i use it to you know block stuff out um it's just i i just don't ever want it to carry me away because i could i could see it i just don't ever want it to be i do more digital art than regular painting and i could see it being very luring and getting comfortable and it's, it's like, oh, do you want to break out all the oil paints and get your medium out and get your palette, clean it, clean it? Or do you want to just sit down and it's just, it's all ready to go. There's no cleanup. There's no nothing. And just start on your digital paint. And I could see that being uh, a little too uh, luring for me. <laughs> and I wouldn't want that yeah. to yeah. take over. Do you know what I really love though, is like, is, is having a physical thing, like a product at the end of it. And that's what I think is really missing for me with the digital. I mean, yeah, you could print it, you could do all kinds of things with it, 
but that's having something tangible for me that was made by hand is a really attractive thing as well. So for me, when I say, you know, it's a means to an end, it always ends up on a canvas and I can hold the thing and I can, yeah. when it's dry, I can run my fingers over the texture and feel the brush marks. And then I get to frame it or I get to put it on the wall or whatever, or it goes to a client or whatever. But I, I yeah, having the physical thing. Um, I guess maybe people feel the same about music, you know, they, vinyl days versus now you just download an MP3. You know? It is different. I mean, it is different. And that's interesting. You, you bring that up. It's, I mean, there's just something about it. Uh, you, you know, kind of coming back to the film thing when they stopped, you know, they pretty much have, other than probably like three or four directors, they've stopped using actual film. And it's not just a uh, appearance thing. Oh, I like the look of it on film. There's something else to it. When you're on a set and you hear that film running through that camera, that's, that's money. That's, you better be ready to go. Everybody, sound guy, actors, everybody, you better be ready to go because we're filming on film. And this isn't just film, 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 film. You know, we'll put it on a card and then we'll put, you know, we can just do hours and hours uncut there's uh it's you know it's it it's more precious and it gets you in a different mindset um and i think painting is like that too because you can't you know edit undo if you want to move if you want to move that eye you got to scrape the eye and you got to move it down I, i'll see time lapse of people doing really good digital paintings and then they'll just click on the eye and just rotate it the right way i'm just like ah oh. <laughs> So many times I've scraped an eye and had to lower it. Like, oh, that's the nose is too high, which means I got to move the, nose, the mouth down and the chin down and everything down. But yeah, the digital stuff is... Yeah. They'll never know what it's like. It, They'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting though, going back to the, the movie thing, having uh, done, like having been pretty deep into two separate art forms, it's really amazing how they overlap. Um, so much of it is just choices. And it's just like in a painting, when you're doing a landscape, you choose what you're gonna put in, what you're gonna take out based on what you wanna say and what you wanna do with that piece. And the same thing is true with film. When you're telling a story, like if I was gonna make Andrew Tischler the biopic, Am I going to do the equivalent of a big sweeping landscape movie and tell your whole life from born to where you are now? Or am I gonna just show you in one day in your studio and just, and through small intricate things about you, about your, your situation, where you live, how you do little things that's gonna tell the whole story about your life. And there's, and it's just interesting how much of it is just making decisions on, on what you want to do. And even the process of, I don't know, for me, the process of painting, the process of, you know, writing or making a film the same, like you start with the big picture, you start with the block out, you get the big parts in there, you get, you know, the beginning of the story, the middle of the story and the end of the story. And like, all right, I kind of think I know where this is going. And as it goes, you get finer and finer into the details until you're writing individual dialogue of individual scenes and, and stuff. And I feel like that's the way with painting. I'm always just like, all right, what's the big picture here? Blocking out the big shapes, getting the big value relationships, and then slowly going to as much detail as I want to go to. And, 
you know, in what areas do I want to go into detail? Just like in a story, what areas are important to tell about the story? What areas do I not need to tell about this story? So it's, I've always, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, there is definitely an advantage, I think, to doing one thing. Like I've, I've done three things a lot and I've had people say, oh, you're spreading yourself thin or you're not going to get as far in one thing. But I think there is an advantage to being able to transfer over and bridge things into uh, find common ground um, and help you solve problems in one thing by using uh, another art form. So that's that's definitely been a big, it's really helped me a lot, like figure things out <laughs> for sure. Uh, and and again, I mean, that just speaks to, I mean, there's, there's so much that goes into making up an artist. I mean, and, and the things that we learn in life, applying those to our creative journey. Like I swear working at McDonald's, for instance, when I was like in my early teenage <laughs> high school years, that taught me so much about efficiency of just how you yeah. do things, how you set up your workspace. Dude, I'll never forget like flipping burgers. And I sucked. I sucked at working for anybody else. <laughs> I, my, my, my grandfather, actually, he was visiting us uh, from the US, this giant guy from Austin. Uh, so my whole family's from Texas. But uh, my grandfather, <laughs> I still remember this. I was about 16. And, and he was he always telling stories. But he, he, I remember this one time, he just, I, all I remember from this one really lengthy conversation was, no Tischler worked for no man. You know, I'm like, oh wow, okay, well that's a that's that a, that's, a awesome. that's a take home right there. He, he was going through he was going through the entire family history of all these Tischlers that were self employed, and then I'm looking at myself like a, a kid who's like at this point a serial fiery. I got fired with everybody um, just because I had such a bad attitude. But I remember being there in in McDonald's, not far from being fired, just around long enough to be able to see how all the machines work. And what I was fascinated with is when you put the clamshell grill down on the burgers, the timer's already started on steaming the buns. And then th that beeper goes off in time for you to, to do all the salad and the sauces and all that stuff. And then that timer goes off and then you don't just do one at a time. They got it on a metal sheet and you got a special pusher. So you're doing like six burgers at once. The, the mustard and the ketchup, it's like, it's a big yeah. funnel with a, with a trigger on it, a gun. You just go tick, 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 tick. And you've done six burgers. And it's like, whoa. And, and, and then you scrape them all off at once. And then, and then you wrap them all up. And I was looking at this thing going, man, this is, this is efficiency. This is a really good way to make a lot of crap food. Okay, I'm just going to say that. But I mean, it was just, it was a system. It, it, it was, so mm. I think about my space, like my workspace, in terms of like ergonomics, you know, is the paint on hand? Are my brushes clean? Are they right there? And so when I'm like, like they talk in kitchens about like having a triangle, right? Or a workspace, mm -hmm. my paint space is a lot like that. But I, I guess just a really clumsy way of saying, yeah, I totally get what you're saying because there, there's a lot there's a lot that we take away from these different disciplines that, that actually end up filtering through and feeding our, our creativity. But again, I, I come back to it because a huge part of it is the physical stuff. I, and, and I need to get back to that because again, being a father, I'm working on that dad bod, but I, I need to get back to <laughs> yeah, actually getting back in the gym um, because there were so many positives and so many benefits there of being physical and the discipline that I could then apply to my 
to my art. Yeah, I, I mean, being an ex-athlete, I'm just ingrained with it. Like I have to always be doing some form of exercise. And my brother was an athlete. He actually made it to the pros. He was a professional pitcher. Um, he's two years older than me. So he lives close by and we work out together. He doesn't have an artistic bone in his body, but he has the, uh, he has the entrepreneur gene definitely that I have because he started his own uh, boat rental company and is doing really great. So yeah, I think there's definitely a certain thing in certain people that can't, they don't like working for people. I've never liked it. It's not I was never, it wasn't like, I was like, oh, rebellious. Don't tell me what to do. It was just, I always felt I could do better on my own that I could, if I'm just on my own, I can actually work harder and longer than if somebody else was telling me to do it. It's so, it's so weird. And, you know, people always say like, oh, that's so awesome. You're, you're your own boss. And it's like, yeah, but you still have to be a boss. Like you have to, if you can't, tell yourself to do certain things, even when you don't want to, like, it's never going to work. Um, you know, cause it's, I mean, doing this, it's, you know, a lot of painting, but a lot of it's not so fun stuff with, you know, editing and email marketing and all that stuff, whatever, that's not a hundred percent creative, but, um, yeah, I'm, I, I love that no Tischler worked for no man. <laughs> that is awesome. That's yeah, that's where I get my bad attitude from. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can't I, see. I can't imagine you with like a bad attitude. Like, were you oh, like a oh, rebel? Oh no. Well, no, I wasn't a rebel. I mean, I was. I was a bit of a quiet. My my rebellious streak showed up with just inaction or inactivity. If I was like doing something, like I'll give you an example. Like when I was when I was young. Uh, my parents said, you know, you're going to have some reading time every day. You're going to sit down, you're going to read a book for an hour. I, 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 and I'm just, I hate, I hate to read now as a result. That, that was one way to, <laughs> to make me hate reading. I will read something if I have to know something and I'll, I'll, I'll be able to devour it and, I, and I'm there. Mm -hmm. But I, consequently, I, I just didn't read. So I, but what it did for me, and, and so the rebellious streak showed up where it'd be like, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to open the book. I will even flick the pages at a regular cadence, but you cannot make me read. I will not read. That's awesome. And so I was just there just going, yeah, okay, whatever we done now I'm going outside, you know, and, and that was it, but yeah, it didn't hurt me none. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I basically from there, it, it's really weird. I was thinking about this just the other day because we had a lot of picture books growing up. So one of the things that I would do is I would, I would, look at pictures in like time life or, or the reader's digest Africa or Antarctica or something. And I, and, and, or like say a book on Borneo and I'd, I'd be flicking over and I'd be like, Oh, cool. And I'd be looking at this amazing photograph and then I'd want to know what that was. So I'd be like, Oh, okay, well, I'll read the caption. So, but what I was doing is <laughs> as a kid, I was training myself to learn from just reading just a handful of tiny little words, just a little paragraph on the thing and doing image association with just a thing. So my recall was being trained and that must've mm -hmm. helped my art in some way. But I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't overtly kind of defiant at all like with any employers, but it did make me feel like, okay, working for somebody else really sucks. I could tell it's like, 
okay, I'm making them money. I really wasn't, I wasn't productive, mm. but I'd be like, what, why am I working for you when I could be working for me? And, and then, you know, the early twenties and then later twenties and then early thirties, as it started to really build up, I, I started to think, okay, well now I have to make this work because if I don't, I have to go and get a job and I'm, I'm not qualified to do anything. Like, so what am I going to do? Like, what kind of job am I going to get? Like, who's going to hire me? I, because I, my arts degree, it's like you'd show them, a, like, I got a degree in fine art. So, <laughs> yeah. So, what? That's that. I, when I was, you know, I was in Los Angeles after college for like 10 or 11 years. Uh, or no, no, like eight years after college. And pretty much for all eight, I waited tables. And I, I still have in my room, I have my apron that I'd wear and it's exactly how I left it. There's still pens in there. There's still uh, tickets with, with orders written on it. I haven't, you know, it's years, years old, but I just keep it there. One day I'm going to get it framed just to like remind me, like whenever it's tough or like I'm busy, I got like a lot to do. I'm just like, at least I'm not waiting tables right now. And I used it. Like, I know what it's like. I would just every day going in, I'd be like, all right, remember this feeling, like, remember this mm. feeling of going in here and doing this thing you don't want to do mm. Just going into there and just kind of just staring off into the distance, into the abyss all day. Just being like, what am I doing here? Yeah. And I Looking used at that it. clock, man. Looking at that clock. It's nearly <sighs> five. Come on five o'clock. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And you just, I mean, a lot of people, you know, you get in that situation you have to use it to your advantage and you have to use it as motivation mm. to whatever it is that you're doing. So I'd see, you know, cause a lot of people, especially in Los Angeles, they get in the waiting table so they have time to do their art endeavor, whether that's acting, producing music, whatever it is. But what happens is a lot of people, they, they go on their shift at five, they get off at 11, they got 200 bucks in their pocket, everybody's going to the bar, they go to hit the bar, and all of a sudden they're not going to bed until 3am and they wake up the next day at 12. You know, they kind of get ready or whatever. And before they know it, they got to go back to work and it's this vicious cycle and they never do their art. And so I was always very conscious, like to not let that happen. Um, and it, it was, yeah, it was really tough. It was really, really difficult, um, to, to get through that. Uh, but I've always had a, a, a certain level of confidence with my painting. I always, always felt like if I, if I really put the effort, I can, I can make something happen. Uh, but I know what you're talking about. I'm just like, I see, I don't <laughs> I got to talk to my friends that have like normal jobs or whatever. And I'm just like, like, what do you do? Like, what do you mean? What do I do? Like, what do you do? Like, yeah. what's the end game every day? Like, what yeah. are you trying to get done? Like, I look at an office building. I'm just like, what's going on in there? Like, <laughs> there's, there's so many just, of them. There's so many I know. office buildings. Uh, well, I, I can imagine there's somebody right now who's in an office building working a regular oh, yeah. job, just tearing their hair off going, I know. Ah! And, I, look, <laughs> and, and I, I also want to make it very clear that neither neither Chris or, nor I are, are, are shaming anybody who is actually stuck in that grind because so many of us, like, you know, so many people really want to get out of that. And, and, yeah. and I, this is a trap, isn't it? And, and they talk about this a lot in entrepreneurship is you get in this, this pattern where you're trading your time for money. Mm -hmm. And the minute you start trading time for money, game over, man. Like you got to work out a way that your time is being directed to the thing that you love. And then that passive income starts being generated. So that, that for me, you know, I, I've got a little bit of that entrepreneurial streak, but just getting away from the time money equation, 
do you, do you think, do you, how do you feel about that? Because I mean, isn't that the goal for an entrepreneur and what are some of the things that you learn and then have applied to your creative journey, you know, from this, this entrepreneurial kind of mindset that you obviously have, like it's, it's, it's quite extraordinary because not a lot of artists have it either. I'll just say one, one more thing on that. Artists also are quite the, the painting, create a canvas, create a body of work, take it to a gallery, get a commission. You're still in the time for money thing. How do you, how do you mm -hmm. expand that? Yeah, that's, that's been the craziest thing with the channel and YouTube and having, you know, you make an online course, it's, it's there and it, you don't have to do anything with it after that. Like, and the, yeah, the, the whole time for money thing, it, it took me a, a little while to have that like click. Cause like my whole life, it was, you clock in, you clock out, you know, your shift is from this to this. And it was just, that's just how money worked was you get time for money. Um, and it's funny. Cause I'll, I, I did go through a, a period of not reading, listening, cause I'm always saying, I listen to audiobooks of things like the, the four hour work week and this, this, this new concept of great book, great you know, book. your, your time, your time is worth money. And it's like, I rather make this lesser amount than this crazy amount. If that means that I'll get more time because my time is worth it to me. Um, but also I know what you're saying with artists and I guess kind of the business side, and it takes a conscious effort to kind of say, all right, flicking off the art brain, going on to the business brain right now. And the way I've always, because it's hard, it's really hard. It's a tough change of direction because I mean, we're painters and you, if you have any spare time, it's like, what would you do? What would be doing? Like, I want to be painting and I don't want to be doing emails or whatever. But it's like, you, I always thought of it as, all right, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to have to get a, a regular job to supplement, to, to live. So, but in the end, if I can do this, like I'm one painting and making a living and I have more time to paint. So I, I've always, you know, that, and it's, it's just crazy. And I feel like, I don't know, compared to a lot of other industries, I feel like painting's kind of behind in the, the online world. Um, there's, you know, other areas like, like the fitness industry is like way ahead. Like everybody there has like an app for, for what they have. And I haven't seen an oil painter with an app yet, but I'm sure it will come <laughs> soon enough. Right. Right. So, but, so you think more painters need to catch up with the, with the online world and, and, and deploying online product. Oh, for sure. I really think in 10 years, it's going to become very, very normal, just like it's normal right now for painters to have a DVD or, you know, a digital download, like every, every oil painter has something like that, whether it's produced by a company or themselves, but I really think in 10 years, like having a YouTube channel, is going to be like having a website. Um, and I think once people realize that the barrier to entry in terms of understanding the tech side isn't as daunting as they think it is, it's daunting, but, you know, so is understanding how to maneuver galleries, how to, you know, do that whole world of, you know, relationship with collect. Like, I don't know that stuff because I've never done it. But that would be something I'd have to learn, just like, you know, operating a camera, how to film your painting without getting glare on it, how to, you know, film your palette, how to compose it on the screen. I've actually gotten into the art of creating videos. Like I've gotten really into that of 
like how good can I film my painting? Like how, like what's the, I've even just taken time to like, all right, what's the best aspect ratio? Like how big should the palette be on the camera, on the screen? How big should the piece be? Yeah, like you kind of said earlier with someone wanting to see, you know, what you were uh, doing off camera with your brush and stuff. I, I had somebody say, uh, can you put your paint, your can of paint thinner, like on the palette so I can see when you're dipping your paint, your brush into your paint thinner and when you're cleaning it? I'm like, yeah, sure. If that's, if that's what helps, what helps to with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, it's huge. So, it's huge. It's all the stuff people don't see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, I'm really interested to see. And also I want more oil. Like I want more painters to come onto YouTube. I don't, I feel like when I talk to older older painters or people that have been in it for a while there's like a weird sense sometimes i feel like of competition and there's i really don't think that applies to the internet and when you look at like the reason i think podcasts have blown up the way they have uh in the past 10 years is because everybody goes on each other's podcasts like everybody helps each other out like every it's you know everybody works together um and I, I, I would, I, whenever I see a painter, I'm like, yeah, like get on YouTube, like get on, like, let's build a bigger community of people on here doing this kind of stuff. Um, so I'm like always, you know, encouraging people to do that and trying to make them not as scared to, to share the work. And there's no set way to do it either. I feel like people get caught up in thinking, all right, well, I got to do it how I see other people do it. And, it, you know, if you can find your own way, your own angle and, make it some like like try and look and see what's missing you know that's kind of what I did I kind of did like what you know I, I have a certain style that I like to paint and I you know uh, just kind of a certain way of painting and I was like I want to I, I want to put that out there you know if I like it there's most likely other people that want to do it um, there's I think like I've actually made a video of <laughs> like other YouTube channels. I'm like, yeah, you should check these out. They're good. Like I want to, like, I want to help out other people. And one of them was this girl, Chelsea Lang. And she, Oh yeah. Yeah. She just, she does time-lapse videos and she talks of her, but she's so good at articulating concepts. I have no mm -hmm. idea if she, it's almost, I, I wonder if she like writes it out and, and mm -hmm. does like drafts of what she says. Cause there's some of the times I'm like, man, you really thought this out like this. Yeah. Yeah. This is a lot like the thought process is very cohesive and interesting. So it's kind of cool whenever you see somebody kind of do something in, in a different way. Um, also, I want to do collab collaboration stuff. If, you know, I've never been outside of the country, but if I'm good, if I go to New Zealand, I'm knocking on your door and we're going painting. Let's for do it. Sure. Let's do it. Yeah. 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 I'm in. Um, look, it's really interesting. A few things in there. First of all, this idea of competition, um, I, I don't think it went anywhere. I think there's still there's still people that feel that and be like, oh, I want to start a YouTube video uh, channel or I want to start an online business, but everybody else is already doing it. But you said a couple of things there that it's like, and I, I feel the same. It's like the competition doesn't exist, but I can see that it definitely would exist if you were coming at it from the gallery mindset or the competition circuit mindset. Cause in a competition, like in Australia, where I was kind of up and coming with, with my paintings, you had your 
Archibald Solomon and Moran prize and your win prize. And, and that was it. And, and, and if you didn't get into those prizes or a finalist or in, there was only going to be one winner then. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I get it. There's competition that the, the galleries I, I heard so many times when I was starting out, Oh, we're not looking at new artists right now. We're not looking at new artists right now. That was another way of them telling me, Andrew, you suck. You know, come back yeah. another time when you don't <laughs> suck. Uh, maybe some of them were saying, please don't come back, kid. Please don't come back. Oh, he's, <laughs> oh, oh, he's here again. Oh, no. Okay. Um, yeah, but I now looking at it with, with starting the online thing, I, I realize, and, and this is what I'm finding as well, talking to people on the podcast, for every artist, there's a unique individual way of, of mm. doing it. And the world is a big place. And what do you really need in terms of a following to generate some sort of income? You do you, mm -hmm. do it to the best of your ability, love it, have respect for the people that are following you, show up, and those people will continue to, to grow. And, and, and there will be mm -hmm. more and more people that want to hear what you, what you have to say or what you have to do. I guarantee you right now, there are people out there that are learning art, that, that, that love art. I mean, I know this, that absolutely cannot stand what I do. That, that just <laughs> look at what I do and that make them want to throw up their toenails and be like, oh, no way, man. I'm going to go and listen to Cesar Santos. I don't want to listen to Tisha. Well, you go right ahead. Guys. <laughs> anyway, but but this is this is the the thing is that there's room for everybody and I, I hope that people yeah. really hear that you know yeah it's that's really yeah that's really true it, 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 there's just so many different avenues to go with it I remember I didn't even I remember I was actually listening to this podcast and you I forget the guy but he did the he painted at weddings and I was like I didn't even know that existed. Jacob didn't even Butler. know that existed. Shout out Jacob Butler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't even Love know that him. existed. Yeah. And such I was like, a good guy too. Such a good guy. Yeah. I was like, wow. And there's actually like a another artist here lives close by to me. And I actually had somebody email me like, hey, like I'm doing, uh, I'm having my wedding at a venue that's, you know, where you are. Do you do painted weddings? I'm like, I don't, like, I just don't have time. I was like, but I know a painter and she actually does a lot of live painting and I'm sure she'd like to do it. And she did it. She did a great job and she's still like getting these things from weddings. And like, I told her about your phone, like, you should listen to this episode of the podcast. Like this guy that does it, you know, just, it just, it, there's so many avenues out there to do it. And if anybody thinks like, Oh, it's too late to start a YouTube channel. People were saying that when I started my YouTube channel, like I had the same thought go through my head. I'm like, is it too late? It's, you know, 2018. Is it too late? Me <laughs> like, too. Yeah. Straight yeah. up. Me too. Uh, and, yeah. and look at, look, since 2008, like your, your channel took me ages to crack a hundred thousand then 200,000 ages, ages. And you've done it. Like I'm looking at you like relatively quickly, how, how quick that's grown. It might be that consistency yeah. thing coming through. It doesn't feel I, like uh, it, I know, but I'm you, telling you, 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 you did it in a lot fewer videos. I went the route, I think for like a whole, I put out at least a video a week now for over two years, never missed a week. Um, oh, wow. For, well done. For, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but that also, um, I mean, that heavily influenced my style of videos. Like I couldn't even edit like one of your videos like your videos are so much bigger and 
just you know they show a lot more and it's just a totally different style where mine are kind of like these quick like one hitter type things um but doing it a bunch of, i think i was doing two I was, at one point i was doing two videos a week i did that for a year two videos a week i was that was during i think covid so i was just like i'm i'm in this is all i'm doing it was kind of like do or die time so i was like i, I gotta make this work but you know anybody out there that is starting you know, whether it's YouTube channel, podcast or anything, it, it, like, and people, people always hear, oh, you gotta be consistent. You gotta be consistent. And that's true. And it's not just to like crack the algorithm or anything like that. It's also like to get better and to constantly be adjusting. And, you know, the more you throw at the wall, I, I always kind of saw it as like radar. Like you, you send out a signal and it bounces back. And the more signals you put out, the more you can get a picture of what's out there in front of you. And I always thought that with videos, it's like, all right, I'm going to try this. 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 I tried like so many different types of videos, you know, different styles. I'm like, what if, what if I did it this way? What if I did it that way? What if, you know, maybe narration, maybe time-lapse, maybe this, maybe that. And, uh, and really what it came down to, I don't know if you feel this way, if I, like, I've, I've really tried, I really don't try and think of like, oh, what will get a lot of views. I really try and think what will help people the most, like what will people leave the video thinking, oh, I'm going to go try that next time I'm painting or like, oh, like that, that clicked with me and actually give them, you know, value in the video, which is tough. It's tough to do. It's tough to know what to give them it's tough to know how to communicate it and also how to package it like i feel like one of the most helpful videos i've made has the fewest views just because i didn't know how to word it it was about paint thickness because i one of the most asked questions i get is people like i can't like when i try and paint like wet paint over top of wet paint with with medium it, it won't work and i made a video where i purposely like got my camera super close to the canvas to show people like kind of what I was doing with the paint thickness and stuff, but I couldn't figure out the right way to title the video and to tag it. Cause it's such a weird topic. I'm like, what would people even be searching for if they're looking for this problem? Right. And yeah. so like, I put it out there. It didn't do that. Well, and I kept getting people you know, asking about the paint thickness. I'm like, I made a video on it. Check out the, like I kept like trying to link it to the comments and it never caught on. I was like, this is interesting. Like, even if you have a good thing, that's helpful you still got to be savvy enough to get it out there and to make sure people see it or else it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a shame because it's like, Oh, it's this very helpful information that people aren't going to see because, you know, the thumbnail wasn't interesting or the title wasn't interesting. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of people think all that is like, Oh, you're just trying to get clicks and clicks. It's like, it's trying to get the, the help to as many people as possible, you know, <laughs> going back to the, the movie industry, I've seen, there's a ton of like really good movies that I love that just absolutely tank. I'm just like, ah, oh, it's because they advertised it wrong. Give they, me an they, example. They, well, what's a, what's a, what's a good movie you love that tanked? One of my favorite movies of all time is 2007, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward, Robert Ford. And just the title alone was not a great idea to fit that. It had Brad Pitt, Casey Affleck, Jeremy Renner. It was a great movie uh, about how Jesse James got killed. And it was uh, it was just a kind of a commentary on celebrity. And, you know, because the guy that killed him 
was this kind of squirmy guy that like idolized Jesse James and, and he, you know, followed him around and loved him and everything. And they ended up, ended up killing him. It's very kind of like Cain and Abel type story. And I just always loved it. And it did horrible. And it was because people thought it was going to be a Western with guns, you know, shooting. It wasn't, it was a very subtle movie. It was a movie that hinged on dialogue and situations and uh, like subtext and not, there was no gunfights really in it at all. And so people went into it thinking that and they didn't get that. And so it tanked. Um, Mm. Another one was that movie, Steve Jobs with, uh, Michael Fassbender replaced Steve Jobs where the whole movie is pretty much just three scenes. Uh, it, it was written pretty much like a play and it was just amazing. And for some reason it just didn't do well. I guess they just didn't advertise it as much as that much, but uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. Balancing the business, you know, business stuff and art stuff. It, it's all, all connected. It's so Again, sorry, sorry to jump all over the place here, Chris, but but it just no, just going, going going back a little bit. I mean, it's interesting as well. It's almost like you know, it uh, it's not what it said on the box. I was expecting what's in the box. You know, come <laughs> on, what's going on? Yeah. But I I um, in terms of balancing out um, what people want to see, what 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 you feel would help them the most. I, I mean, I've kind of found that in a, in a very similar way, uh, you know, really struggling with, with, okay, what is me? What's authentic? What will get views? What will the algorithm like? And then finding that whenever the compass needle starts pointing away from anything apart from what is really me and what I really want to do, the, mm-hmm. the video doesn't do great. The minute I try to yeah. start preempting what, will get views what people want to see the video doesn't do well but i really love what you just said there what will help that's really cool because i mean that again that's what i see when i watch your channel watch your videos it's you can see you're very clued into this is what's going to help people mm-hmm. actually paint and it's unlocking some things for me like sometimes i get so bogged down in the technical or I get lost on some grand huge project but that's not going to help the person who's just wants to paint for the first time you know it's like mm-hmm. you know we're going to paint this two and a half meter mountain scene it's like no guy, <laughs> I've got I've got this weekend in fact I have this afternoon I'm going to get the paint out I, I ain't painting that and 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 I, that I, I think you give people access in that way which is really mm-hmm. great. And it's a bit like what you were saying before as well. I love that. The gift of painting, giving somebody yeah. the gift of painting. That is, that is a beautiful thing because I think if there's one gift that's worth giving other people, it's the gift of painting and really helping mm-hmm. them express and explore their creativity. So many things I want to ask you in that, in that regard, but how I, I, I want to come back to you for a second though, in terms of, you know, being an entrepreneur and an artist. So you haven't really gone down the road of, of fitting into the gallery model or painting commissions. So this is working for you as a business just based on online sales of, of your paint courses, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that, awesome. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Between that and, 
Patreon and you know all the different avenues of stuff and YouTube. It's it's pretty incredible. It's it's more than I ever thought. And even that, even so, like I feel like there's so much more room, um, especially where I see, uh, you know, like I said, like other industries that are kind of that are walked further along, kind of where they've taken things. Um, and I have so many ideas that I want to do with my channel and things I want to do in the future. And I've talked about a little bit, but I want to have a series, you know, where I'm traveling around the world painting and kind of like those, uh, uh, any of those shows where they go around and like try different foods and stuff. Like I want to go around and paint Dang. different, different, air, different parts of the world and also kind of incorporate the vibe of the place yeah well yeah. you know I, I still i still want to deliver the the goods in terms of like giving someone something tangible to learn with painting um also i mean kind of tied into that my big uh kind of giant aspirational goal like big goal i remember i heard you say one time you want to do a planar painting on the moon Mine is I want to, mine is I want to lower the average age of the plain air painter. I I want to get younger people into plain air painting. I know it's tough because it's a big barrier to entry. It's to me, it's the hardest kind of painting, like mm -hmm. just physically. And I think Brian Mark Taylor said plain air painting is a, more of a sport. <laughs> um, and it is, it's tough, like get out there and do it and everything's moving and it's, it's hard. It's tough. But I, I, I don't know if there's, if I, there's times where I'm more happy than just out painting. It's a nice day. Painting's going well. Like it, there's just something about that, but uh, just getting more people introduced to it because I always knew about it. And I, when I was younger, I struggled to find someone to teach it to me. Um, and I feel like a lot of younger people that are into art, like when you're into art, when you're into painting, you don't even, even if you don't know exactly what you want to do, like you just know you have to do it. Like you're, you're just, it's pretty, pretty, a lot of times it's like what you're exposed to first, kind of what the path you end up going down. Um, Cause I see a lot of younger people kind of go down uh, animation digital art, um, just certain kind of avenues. And I feel like they're not even presented with plein air painting. Um, and I, I just would like it to be more well-known to people and more accessible um, and just kind of showing that, you know, process. Um, and also just, you know, showing cool parts of the world and uh, just taking in, you know the vibe of the place that you're in and you know you've had some pretty cool plane hair painting videos busting out the drone and it's yeah. it's hard to film yourself painting your studio it is so hard to film yourself plane air painting do you have a camera person out there a lot of times nope no uh with a lot of the other videos like the, the funniest one was when i went painting with freeman and sam and i'm filming the entire thing uh sam's filming some stuff for his youtube channel as well but i was filming yeah. the whole thing i mic'd up freeman then i mic'd up sam i interviewed both of them i got a couple of sound grabs i filmed a little bit of their painting some nice yeah. b-roll of, of freeman putting the brush on the canvas him saying something nice about being out in the mountains and how inspiring it was fly the drone 
and then <laughs> set up the cameras to paint my demo. So while they're painting and having a nice leisurely time, I'm doing all the filming, all the director and stuff. And then it comes time. And then I got to bust out a painting as well. And dude, yeah. Uh, and it, it, actually, I have the painting somewhere. Is it hanging in here? No, it must be downstairs. Um, it's one of my favorite paintings that, that, and I'll never yeah. forget that's when we're in the, in the glacial Valley, just a, a Mount Talbot Fjordland national park. Um, it's interesting. You say that though, about the, um, about the show, about the, the, you know, going around and, and almost like a cooking show. That's exactly what I've wanted to do for the last <laughs> decade. And, and I got a production team here in New Zealand interested in the show and then about ready to kind of go to the next step and sell the show to, to a network. And mm -hmm. um, all this stuff that the world has been gripped by uh, over the last couple of years, all this stuff came about and I realized it's just not possible. Um, uh. so, so I, I, I basically, I just went and, and cut it. And so now, and, and the other thing as well, like what that was for me, it's like, I got a production company that has done huge movie things and massive TV shows and, and, and some massive international projects. I got a production company interested in this show. That was just a huge pat on the back and a validation. Oh, yeah. And then I thought, hang on a second. They were interested in me. I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to do it yeah. myself. And this is a weird thing. I mean, you know, back to the gallery thing or finding clients thing or, you know, the the modern platforms the technologies that we have access to today it's given us access we can mm. become our own show we can create our own thing there's nothing holding me back and i was thinking well do i need a team no i just need to work that's all i need mm -hmm. to do and and like you were saying before i didn't know how to edit video i know i know how to now basically but i hired an editor and that that made good business sense and he's been working for me full time for a year and um you know, but I could learn how to fly a drone. I could, I could learn all this stuff. It was just another skill and so, yeah. skill up, go for you it. You should keep, I know and it. I mean, having filmed a lot of movies and stuff, you don't need as much people as you think to film it. Uh, you know, one, maybe two cameramen, if you want to get a couple of different angles, but you know, sound guy, producer, it's, it's not, it's not that much. I mean, I mean, I watch your YouTube videos that you're saying you're filming on your own going out and playing or painting and it's just as good as I see anything on like Discovery Channel. Like, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> that's so, I awesome, mean, dude. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank so you. it's like, I mean, how much different is, yeah. And especially downside like production companies and stuff is it, it, it can weigh you down and you can get stuck in the waiting game. Like I know a lot of people that are saying that have like a script like, oh, dude, saw with this production company we're going to make my movie and like two years rolls around and there's always some reason why they're not getting it made you know, oh this actor said he'd sign but he, he had to push oh oh this investor dropped this and that and there's always a reason and five years go by and they haven't made their movie yet and i i'm just i'm a person like i do not like to wait on things i don't wait on people i don't wait on people i'm you know i'm gonna go i'm going now if i mess up fine i'll learn from it <laughs> like like with my channel i'll just like i said see what sticks try it fail learn from your failure and move on a lot of yeah. people get so worried about doing it right 
the first time. It's like, you're not going to get it right the first time. Just, just try it, fail and learn from your mistakes and, and get it through, through the reps. But um, that's crazy. You, you were close to doing that. And then COVID happened. Well, Man. There, there was, there was another, <laughs> there was another aspect to this as well. Um, that they, they also threw a curveball at me. They said, right, we're going to do the show. We we've, we've had some meetings. We had a chat about it and here's the direction we're going to go in. And that is, you know, we're going to get you to team up with a celebrity and go and paint out in the wilderness with a celebrity. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Bear Grylls? Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, dude, I, I'm a big fan of Bear Grylls. I'm a fan of yeah. Bear Grylls. I want to go and see Bear Grylls. And it's not that I want to be a star <laughs> or anything like that. I, I did not. I still don't feel comfortable being on camera. I, I, don't, I don't want to put me in front of people. I want to be, I, I want to give people, like you were saying, the gift of painting and just say, hey, this is cool. Let's just, let's just mm -hmm. talk about how cool this is. Uh, no one else is doing it. So I, I might as well. And, and again, I'm not saying I'm the only one on YouTube. That's not what I mean. But no one else is talking about this tree or this mountain or this experience. So I want to celebrate this with my art. And that's cool. But the minute they said, no, we're going to get you to team up with all these different celebrities and and you can reflect on the landscape through them. And then they started saying, well, now we just want you to think of some celebrities that you could you could team up with and we'll start coming up with a hit list kind of thing. I'm like, I don't know any celebrities. I'm not part of that. World. I, don't, I don't care. I don't like, honestly don't care. Like, who are yeah. they? Okay, great. Good for you guy. Like, go for it. Like I, but I, I, you're not, you're not coming on my show. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, I, I don't, and, and so I, again, I mean, this is, I guess this is the no Tischler work for no man thing coming through again. I'm like, <laughs> you're not telling me what to do. So I, the bad attitude got me again. I, so, but it was that, and it was also a global situation that I was like, yeah, look, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Well, the cool, I don't know about you, but the cool thing about being online is you meet a lot of people around the world. Hmm. And I've always thought if I did it, it'd be so cool to, when I go places to meet up with certain people, like I know people in California, know people in Colorado, I know like yeah. all over and yeah. that would be cool. Like yeah. you say, all right, we're traveling yeah. here. This artist is here. We're going to go paint with them. We're going to do a painting together and talk and interview, you know, and I was like, that would be really cool too. You know? And I think there's a lot of, a lot of room to grow uh, for YouTube and, and, and that whole, that whole field. But was the production company? They, did they uh, they do Lord of the Rings out there? That's what they film I, Lord I, of the Rings, I'm right? not New gonna, I, I can't say. I can't oh, say. Can't say? Okay. No, no, no. Because I'll, I'll I'll give them away, and I don't know what legally I'm allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say. Um, I I, I don't <laughs> hear from them anymore. I just said uh, I I left a phone message. I'm like I'm out, and yeah. and I I haven't heard back. So whatever. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's one way. <laughs> that's one way. Like I, I they, they say don't burn your bridges, but I I don't know, man. I just torched that sucker on the way across it. I was like, yep, see, I'm... <laughs> yeah, see, so now I got to think of something else to do there. But um, it, it it did. I mean, it did teach me a valuable lesson. But what but what you're saying is so true. Like uh, this podcast, my channel, uh, you know, it's put me in touch with so many people that I know that when when the the, the gates get lifted again and, and we get to, to travel freely. Hopefully that happens one day soon. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of people I want to be hitting up, you know, across the world and, and going yeah. to paint with, you know? So yeah, if you, if you're in New yeah. Zealand, man, 
come come on you know freeman sam yeah. and i we're waiting <laughs> we're waiting to go painting i'm gonna yeah uh, shout out shout out to wayne vickers as well i know i know wayne uh Wayne listens to the podcast every now and again. I'm pretty sure he came to see me at the studio. Really cool painter from New Zealand. Uh, and Sam Balzar as well. And William Woodward. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Ben Mitchell. There's so many cool planar painters here that uh, that uh, would, would love to uh, love to see you. Yeah, I was kind of going back to what you were saying about um, kind of what dictates your paintings. I always wonder with you, when you're, I know, I, I, what, from what I get from your videos is you are you're on a journey with a painting and you're doing that painting no matter what and you're just going to film the process and take out helpful information use that to learn but as far as what you choose to paint is there anything influence you in terms of selling it or uh using it online in any way because I was talking to uh an artist that sells in galleries and he's a very you know you look at his stuff you're like oh this guy paints 100% what he wants but he makes a living through galleries and so I, I was like honestly man like when you're painting is there a little part of you that's thinking you know oh last show I you know everything that had uh, a river in it sold so mm -hmm. I'm, gonna paint, I'm gonna paint a few more rivers this this go around <laughs> like you know, even yeah. that little bit, it's like, you're still being influenced. Cause I think there's a lot of people that are all about, it's like, Oh no, it's a hundred percent pure. It's just all me. And it's, it's like, is it, mm -hmm. is it, you know, mm -hmm. cause you still gotta, you gotta put food on the table. And I don't think it's, I don't even think it's a, a, a bad thing. When I did do commissions for a long time, I would do commissions for very cheap because I was struggling waiter. Um, and I don't know, I always kind of enjoy the game of it of like, can I make this work? Um, and kind of use that um, challenge to mm. get me excited about it. Uh, but I was also just, you know, desperate for money at the time. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's, uh, and I was like, oh, I can use my art skill to make money. And that was, that was cool. But I've always wondered, you know, what, do, like, what is your process for choosing? Hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, well, interesting question. In fact, I, I reflected on this a little bit. And it was interesting hearing Joe Paquette talk about, you know, similar things in the podcast I did with him. But first, you know, I, I think if, if I was to take that pure approach, that's going to be mostly BS too, because I think it's a balance between choosing, you know, to paint things that you think people will like, but also maintaining authenticity. I, yeah. I, I now have officially closed commissions because I, I just can't, I, I can't really feel as inspired about somebody else's idea, even if they have loosely narrowed me down to a subject and not been overly specific or, or directive about it. I, I, I find I have a really hard time getting into a commissioned work and it's just not fair on the client. So I've just been like, you know what? I'm not doing commissions anymore. I've got, I've got a couple of paintings left after that. I, I'm, I'm done. Um, doesn't mean I won't sell work. I'll sell work that's done, but this is an access that, that, um, that the online world and, and being a bit of a, you know, opening up a digital business, trying to derive some form of passive income from the teaching, I'm now directed by teaching stuff. And so I go, okay, what looks cool? What's going to be really cool? For example, like the horses in the River Valley, no, no one gave me that idea. 
Look, and, and again, that was I, awesome. I, I, I've talked about it. I've talked Love about it to, uh, you know, in, in a couple of videos, I'm pretty sure I might've mentioned this, but if I haven't, um, I, I feel that that was something that was completely external. I'm just going to call it for the way I see it. I feel that came from God, but that's just me. Okay. But <laughs> some people will have a random spark of, of, of inspiration be like, oh, wow, I just got that inspiration. It just came out of the ether. Fantastic. That was what that painting was for me. Um, Mm-hmm. I had this experience. I wanted to see this thing. I didn't get to see it. I drug my feet for months and months and months. And then it, I just saw the image in my head. And it was like, and as soon as it entered my mind, it's like, it was such a fleeting moment. And it's like, what was that? What was that? And then I started trying to grind it out with a design process, just trying to hone in on what I, what I, that vision was. I'm like, no, that's not it. And it shift that out the way until eventually I arrived at it and be like, that's the painting that's got to be painted. I just felt like a, there was a real process that went into to finding that composition. And, and digital, yes, digital helped a lot in, in terms of drawing it in Photoshop. But, you know, that's really what's driving me at the moment is ideas like that. It's like, what do I really want to paint? And I'm finding a teachable moment in all of that. Because again, I'm a traditional representational realist, and we're never going to get away from the fundamentals of representational traditional realism. What are those fundamentals? You know, you've still got line, form, shape, balance, tone, hierarchy, you know, and just the science of painting. Start with this, move on to that, only mix a little bit of this, use your colors in this kind of, there's all these lessons that are coming about from that. So yeah, interesting question. Now what I find is the, what I hope people will see in the next couple of years as I look at my portfolio, as I hope they'll see, this is Andrew. This is this is what Andrew's all about. And you look at me, it's almost like I'm schizophrenic because it's like, hang on a second, what are you? What do you do? Are you the portrait guy? Are you the landscape guy? Are you the seascape guy? Are you the waterfall guy? Like, are you the still life guy? I'm like, no, dude, I'm inspired by it all. I want to do it all. I want to do it all because it's all so cool. So, and there's only one me. My depression comes from a, a, a limited amount of time, but an abundance of ideas. I'd much rather be there than have all this time on my hands without going, oh, what do I want to do now? I'm bored. You know, there's too much to do. Yeah. There's too much to do. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that you do all the different subjects, portraits, landscapes, horses, waterfalls, all that stuff, because that was, you know, when I was starting out before I'd figured out the YouTube thing and kind of figured out my path with teaching, I, that would always cross my mind. It's like, do I need to choose? Am I supposed to be the landscape guy? Am I supposed to be the portrait guy? If, you know, someone looks at my gallery, looks at my work, should they be able to say like, oh, that's, that's definitely a Chris Fornatero painting. Cause I felt like I never had a style I, I felt I didn't have a certain subject that I, that I was known for. And I, and I, the thought of giving one up, I was like, no, uh-uh, I'm not giving one up. I'm going to do portraits when I do portraits. I'm going to do landscapes when I do landscapes. And I'd see people like you. I'm like, all right, he's doing it. It's okay. <laughs> I can, I can calm down. But I mean, when you awesome, look at like man. a lot of yeah, the best, yeah. bo- the, the, the old masters, you know, Soroya, he did both, you know, both. Sergeant did everything. Did both. Yeah, they were all, they were awesome at so, it. And they were awesome at it, weren't they? You know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I always wondered how much of that, when someone does become the portrait person or the, the landscape person, how much of that is just the market picking it for them? Whereas they, you know, they've done a bunch of portraits, done a bunch of landscapes. And for some reason, their, port, their portraits just hit better 
and they start selling more and they're like, oh, well, I'm just going to keep doing this. And from then on, they become the portrait person. Like, is that how it happens? Or is there a conscious decision when they're young? Like, I'm going to be the portrait person. I mean, I'm sure that happens. I'm sure they're just more interested in portraits. I think, I I think what, what I'm trying to hear, you know, within myself, uh, whenever I get into this habit of thinking this way is like, go, okay, well, is that a limiting belief? Am I, am I being limited by, by just thinking this thought right now or, or having this particular idea? Because you can always see those examples of people that are breaking the mold. Again, back to Michael Jordan, you know, people that break the mold. Mm. Oh, great movie, by the way. I, there's one of the new movies that I've seen that I actually really enjoyed. I think it's called King Richard, Will Smith. It's a story of Venus and Serena. Oh, Williams. yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen that. I heard I it's really I really good. liked it. I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. I don't know how true it is because, you know, then I see photos of celebrities and even sports stars doing the cover in the one yeah. eye thing and doing this kind of thing. I'm like, you're in the club. <laughs> That's why you're there. You're in the club. Yeah, come, on. come on. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so... so <laughs> But I, I think I think this thing, the, the trick is always being authentic. And if you find something's not landing with a market, but it's authentically you, maybe the problem is marketing. Maybe it's the problem yeah. that, that just not enough eyeballs are seeing it. I, mm-hmm. I, I remember years and years ago, like I was doing a huge body of work um, and, and I, I'd become known as the landscape guy, but particularly was known for, you know, seascapes, Karajini National Park, which is the Pilbara in Western Australia, and then also uh, the Kimberley, which is another area in Western Australia, Mm. really obscure landscapes, but I was known as that guy, the landscape guy. So I really just one day wanted to paint an eagle. So I painted a wedge-tailed eagle. (laughs) I love birds, man. And and I I love eagles. And so I painted this thing. My dad came around to the studio. He's like, Andrew, that's a great painting, man. That's a great painting. You're going to take it down to the gallery. I was, I was a bit iffy about it, but I was like, yeah, took it in. My agent at the time, Colin, um, he was looking at it and he was like, this is great. What price are we going to put on it? So we put on the same price that we had placed, you know, my landscape paintings. And I think at the time it was like, it was like $16,000 at the time. I was like mid twenties or whatever. And I remember this one guy coming in and he was really upset by seeing that. And he was like looking at it going, how much do you want for that? It's a bird. And, and, but I was the landscape guy and here I was charging that for, for an Eagle, but he, and, and, and my agent at the time was like, "Uh ah, that ain't a bird. That's a Tischler, you know, kind of thing. And so he was, he went to work on marketing it. It sold. It, It actually sold to a company that was, had Eagle as part of its, company the the guy the ceo of eagle co or whatever it was i won't give away the name of the company but he's like that's going in the boardroom paid full price for it so i don't think it's ever a i don't think it's ever uh i think it's i think it's a marketing issue as long as you're really authentic and really honest about doing what you want to do i I, the only way this is going to be sustainable and i'm sure you can you you'll vouch for this as well is it if you're totally in if you're in it oh yeah and you're yeah you're invested then that it's it's not that it will work because it might not but you've got to you've also then got to put in your business brain and be real about your strategies and learning how to make it work as an online business but authenticity man that's the that's where it's at you got to be authentic and be you like again Mm -hmm. i gotta say this like looking at that nick cage painting behind you (laughs) 
Yeah. What a fun painting. Like, were you in, were you invested in that? Was that like, did you, but did you ever think, why am I doing yeah. this? Come on. But, but, but it honestly, it works and it's cool. Like I watched the video. I was like, this is cool. Slew did a yeah. similar one. Slew did, Slew did a whole bunch yeah. of, of his self-portrait over and over and over again on one canvas. I love that. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I've, I've been meaning to just in one of my portrait tutorial videos, just use a picture of Slew and just see if he sees it, like not even mention it. Just it's Slew is the, the subject, but the, uh, the Nick Cage just started his practice and it's, I know it's kind of a good, uh, I guess just symbol or embodiment of like what the channel is all about, which is just start painting, like just, just start and doing it like that. I just had a blank canvas I had that, you know, and, uh, and I was like, I just want to get some practice in. I just want to practice. I don't want to, this isn't for anything. Uh, like I haven't, this canvas is just sitting there eyeballing me for the past month. I, I don't, I, I feel like I'm, being too precious with like, Oh, I got to figure out something to put on this canvas or whatever. And I was like, I'm just going to just do this practice of a Nick cage. And I did one. I was like, eh, that's, that's pretty cool. And then I just did another one for practice. And I, and the thing is like, what if I just fill this whole thing with Nick cage? And it kind of worked because it was, it, it one, it's just a funny image. That's another thing that I've always kind of toyed with that I'd like to really play around with is paintings that are genuinely funny. I've cool. done a couple. Yeah. I've done one that uh, nobody's seen except one of my friends that commissioned it. Have you, um, have you, you don't have it there, do you? No, he, it was for him. Oh, he, it was, okay. It was. It was. Uh, it was a. It was funny because it was actually from a funny photo. Uh, and the kind of funny, I'd, I'd want to be really specific about it. Like the the one I did, it was it was a shot. It was just like a shot, like someone's mom took of, um, my friend's dad at this uh, table, like on a back deck, just there's, you know, just hanging out Sunday afternoon or whatever. And my friend's brother's at the table, but his back's towards the camera. So his, and he's leaning over and he's unaware that his, uh, butt crack is showing. <laughs> and so it's just this funny scene. It's like, they, and it's on the deck and there's a dog and it's just like this nice, happy little quaint, typical scene you would see except for that and the other guy smiling unaware and it was just like a funny thing and I did it for my friend and he just put it in his house in his apartment kind of as a you know funny joke or whatever and somebody came over and liked it so much they bought it off him and he's like yeah yeah I'm like yeah man they want it because I get it for him just for he's a really close friend and I just did it for fun and just gave it to him He's like, do you mind if I sell it to them? They like, they really like it. They think it's like high art and like really a lot of meaning into it. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, go wow. for it. Yeah. But the Nick Cage, the Nick Cage thing, it just started as practice. And then I was like, yeah, this will be interesting because it'll be visually interesting and funny. And also the, the fact that it's Nick Cage in particular mm -hmm. is funny. And I could almost see him having that in his house just because of his kind of eccentric personality and the, also yeah. the fact that he's become like this internet meme uh over the years and yeah. it, just, it just all kind of clicked and everything i've been meaning to i don't know looking to get in prints of that done or something i don't know <laughs> i just never i never knew what to do with it and i've had people ask to buy it and i'm like no 
I like it. I want it on my wall. Wow. Yeah. How could you, uh, I mean, how do you get around copyright with something like that? Because dude, you're in violation right now. How many, you've got one, two, three, four, yeah. six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> how many different faces have you got in there? Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's probably that's why a, it's I an interesting one. Try to do it. The whole mm. copyright thing with paintings now and online is so weird. I get people asking me about it all the time and I'm like, I have no idea. I don't sell my stuff. I just do it for practice and for myself. Um, every now and then I would just to like family or friends that want something, but it's weird because you think like, yeah, like those are all copyrighted, uh, you know, images, but then you'll see people that make whole careers off of doing, of doing that exact thing. And people that go to like Comic-Con and they're selling their paintings of Spider-Man and their paintings of Batman or whatever. And it's like, well, what's going on here? Can you do it or can you not? And I've heard someone break it down once in an interesting way. And they said, actually, you know, these people that do all their fan art, especially like comic book type stuff, which is like the most copyright thing ever. It's like another person's drawing too. They said that in a way that the companies like that because it gets more word out on their thing and it's like free advertising ah. in a way, but it's not, but it's not, it's not written down. So that's not technically the law. So, but the, I think technically the law, you can't do that, but it's like this unsaid thing. It's so weird. Like I've never gotten a straight answer on it. Um, I get a lot of people asking about that. Cause like you go online, you go on Instagram and stuff and people are oh, fan arts, huge. That's it's nice. crazy. It's yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And I've seen, yeah, people sell it and that's like their whole thing is just doing nothing but fan art. I'm like, how is this possible? Isn't mm. it? I don't know. But, but I, I got to say, yeah. like, I, I love your choice of, of people to paint. I mean, if you're going to paint a celebrity, like there, there's certainly this aspect of, of fan art that you see when you're just going through your Instagram feed of people choosing whatever's popular or trendy at the time. And I was kind of shied away from that. And I was, I was really critical mm -hmm. at the time, you know, that the Joker came out. Every second yeah. person was drawn Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. And it's like, there was some really cool art there, but I'm like, come on, man. Like, who do you yeah. know? Who, who, who's around you? Who's in your circle? But I guess if you're going to, if you're going to paint a celebrity, like uh, Bill Murray, there's fantastic. Is that out of Ghostbusters? That, uh, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Oh, okay. Caddyshack. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. Um, you know, so I, it got me thinking going, okay, look, I, I am going to do the celebrity thing, but I started thinking like, what celebrity am I going to be who am I going to do? I'm probably going to do some really obscure ones that people uh, of a younger generation would be like, who is that? I'd be like, well, that's Robert Redford and Paul Newman, <laughs> Butch Cassidy yeah. and Sundance Kid. You know, that's, yeah. or this is, this is old school spaghetti Western Clint Eastwood. And oh, what's the guy's name? Jean, Jean Van Cleef or Van Cleef. Oh, the, the guy who's the bad guy out of the good, the bad, and the ugly, that guy. Um, oh yeah. Obsessed with spaghetti Westerns. Uh, you know, something like that. But I, 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 I've been thinking about the copyright thing for a while and, and going, how do you get around that? But it's really cool. I saw, I saw um, over lockdown, uh, Kate Zambrano had done a drawing of Wesley Snipes out of Demolition Man. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. So obscure. It's but awesome. It's weird. I like practicing on celebrity photo, like her yeah celebrities i guess a lot of times for me it's just actors because i've seen their face so much 
that it I know when I get it like if I just find some random photo of like a model or something that you know like some royalty free thing it's it's fine and I can do it but when you know the person I mean the best is to you know like recently for I I'm making a portrait course right now and I got my family and friends to sit and I took their photos and when it's someone you like really know then it's it there's something else happening inside you that's that you just know when it looks like them and I think you can fill a lot of gaps but when you can't I mean you only have so many people that you can get to sit for you or that you can get a photo of and I never want to I'm always looking for ways to cut the resistance for practice like I never want to not practice because I don't have a reference or something and so when I need something I go to an actor because I've seen their face so many times in movies that I feel like I get a little bit of that 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 thing um when, that you when you know them and getting to know somebody is huge I actually took a workshop with Michael Shane Neal who's a really good portrait painter in Tennessee and he talked a lot about that about how he when he does a portrait commission because he'll don't go and do like you know supreme I think he did a couple of supreme court justices and you know, he's the guy that like presidents of colleges call to get their portraits and stuff. And he's like, I like to talk, like I sit down, I talk to them for a while and I, I get to know them. I get to pick up on their tendencies of, of how they sit in their chair. How, you know, they're, do they talk with their hands? Do they smile a lot and get that feel for them? Because that makes a big difference. And I remember in the workshop, he actually would have the models, the live models were painting talk and just talk about their lives. And you got a sense of who they are. And I think that, you know, I feel like me seven years ago wouldn't have bought into that. I'd be like, oh, what are you, what are you talking about? It's, it's all about the values and the shapes and the drawing, but there's some, something else happens. Can't explain it. Uh, mm. It's just something else happens when it's somebody, you know, mm. and you get that, that, that essence, essence of them. It's, it's different. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Very different. It's, it's really challenging. It's one of those frustrating things as well as if, you get like a, an eye or a mouth or, or just one line, just one or two millimeters left or right or up or down. It's somebody else. You're like, oh, I did. It, yeah. I'm trying to figure out like, where did I go wrong with this? And yeah, it's um, it, it can be quite quite frustrating. But um, I I also enjoy it. Like I enjoy painting people that I know and love and and people around. Yeah. Me. Um, but still, I don't know, man. The celebrity thing i'm thinking about it more I, I, I might like to i've been thinking about a painting to clint eastwood for for years but um <laughs> yeah what what would be that, the that's really, gone that's funny you say that because i've been i'm like trying to like like furnish and decorate my place and i don't know for some reason i have a hard time just buying like random decorative art for a room you know because i'm a painter i'm like i i, I could i can take care of it <laughs> like i'll paint yeah. something and i've wanted to do like a big because i kind of got like a gray scheme going on in my my bedroom i want to put like a big black and white of paul newman from um cool hand luke yeah or something in there just so i was like that would be really cool uh i love that movie i love like you know paul newman those old school guys I was like thinking of something like that. I was like, that would look really cool. You know, if, I, if I'm going to need something to fill out my wall, you know, to put on my walls or whatever, to just to make it look nice or something, that'd be a pretty, pretty cool thing to have. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. You said that with the like Clint Eastwood and 
uh, Robert Redford ever, and those guys. Do you ever, um, yeah, I mean, do you ever, do you ever hang an empty frame on the wall as a space holder and go, one day I'm going to put a painting in that frame on that <laughs> spot on the wall? Like I, I, I've got empty frames all over the house with no paintings. I had somebody come over, you know, months and months ago. They were looking at it, going, "Have you been robbed? Like, where, where did all the paintings go?" I'm like, "No, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I just haven't done anything yet." <laughs> that's interesting. I don't. I actually, that is like one of the first few paintings that I've ever framed of mine. Beautiful frame. I've never, yeah, I just found it, I think on Etsy or something, and but. I've never, it's so weird. I'm so just, I don't know. It was, I think looking back, it was a big oversight of not putting my paintings in frames because I was like, oh, like the painting's done. My job is done. If someone wants to buy it and put it in a frame, that's their business. And, you know, I never put it in frames because I've always felt like, well, the person gets it, they're probably going to want to choose the frame to go with whatever their decor is or whatever. I don't know. And I've never been in calories since I never put much thought into it. But when I did put my thing, put them in, I got a, bought a couple frames. I'm going to put a couple of mine in frames. It makes a difference. You, you look at it differently. There's a, a certain feeling or quality to it. And I feel like since I didn't go to art school, there's like these little holes in my painting life that I feel like I'm just, or just missing like that, the whole gallery side, missed that. Um, yeah, it's never never frame my paintings. don't know anything really about frames that much um just a big learning curve there but hmm. i do i do a similar thing i don't put empty frames i'll when i have a canvas to motivate myself to paint i will either just tone it so it's like ready to go or i'll put it out where i can see it or even better i'll put it on the easel hmm. and so it's just sitting there staring at me and right on I yeah like sometimes if I'm because I have to like force myself to like not paint mm -hmm. and so I'll purposely if I'm working on a painting like I'll take it off my easel and put it where I can't see it because if I can see it and I walk by it, it it's like an addiction like I'll look at it like oh, oh oh and I'll just grab my paintbrush and I'm like I'm gonna I'm just gonna and, and before I know it I, it's three hours went by and I wasn't even planning on painting. Wow, I'm, that's crazy. I'm just painting. I was like, Oh, what happened? I remember when I was, when I was waiting tables, I would take photos of my painting on my phone when I was working on it. And then during my shifts, I would just pull up my phone, just, just look at my painting and just be like, what am I going to do next? On it? I just be like critiquing it. <laughs> like everybody's, you know, if anybody saw me like, Oh, he's texting on his photos on social media. It's like, no, I'm literally just looking at <laughs> a painting and I, people, I'd either do that or I'd just be looking through landscape photos that I had taken and been like, ooh, and like cropping them. Awesome. <laughs> ooh, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a good one. Awesome. He's like, what are you yeah. doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm just looking at painting photos. And uh, whenever I'd be, I'd be like walking around places with people or something or, or hiking and, and the it, like, where's Chris? I'm like back there, like taking a photos again, the right angles. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, this could be, this could be a painting. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, so you're, you're obsessed. You're obsessed. Oh, with this totally, yeah. totally obsessed. And I think it's weird that I didn't, I, since I had other interests, I feel like I held off to fully, you know, indulging in the painting. Like I've always painted, but it wasn't until like the past, you know, five or so years that I really just let myself have at it. And I don't know, it's always come easy to me. And it's, 
you know, I was doing commissions for people when I was, you know, in high school. Like, so it was like, I was getting paid to do it before I was even looking to get paid to do it. And I feel like it's so weird that I kind of just ignored that for so long. Mm. And I was always pursuing these other things that were so looking back so much more difficult and so less obvious to do. I mean, the film industry and like acting and stuff, it's so random. It's so random that it's hard to even get to get motivation to keep going because you're like, what do I even do? Like, this isn't about putting in work and then getting results because it's just so random who gets chosen or whatever. And I remember I had my really good friend once said, he put it in a really interesting way. He's like, say, Chris, I feel like painting for you is like the really nice, good girl that supports you that you should be with, but you just keep going after these other girls when this nice, sweet girl is just right there, ready to marry you. <laughs> and I'm like, and finally I was like, you know what? I need to go with the good girl and That's that it. I should, I like, it's like the guy in the movie that, the, oh, the girl you were meant to be with was right in front of you the whole time. And it's like, it's kind of what painting has been like for me. It's like, like now that I've gone into it, it's just like, everything seems to be clicking. I'm like, oh, this is totally what I'm supposed to be doing. Awesome. And every day I like, I can't wait to wake up every day and do what I do, which I, it's so like having, you know, waited tables and doing things that I, you know, so many jobs for so long that I didn't like doing, like, I feel like I have a really strong appreciation for it and, and how lucky I, I feel like I am to do it. And that makes me work even harder. Um, there's a quote from the, uh, uh, a famous long distance runner, Steve Prefontaine. Uh, and he said, do you give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. And I was like, that's, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, it makes, it, it makes it easy to work hard when you are obsessed with it. So I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go do 24 hours of painting like you did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me tell you, no one needs to do that. I've done it. So you don't have to. So it's, it's a terrible idea. Speaking of, of shamelessly going for views, <laughs> uh, but I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did the challenge. Uh, will, will you do the challenge? I've called slew out. Do you reckon you'll do it? To do the 24 hour? I did. I said, the 24, oh man. <laughs> I said, I said, if anyone's oh, going to do it, I, I said, I said, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call out anybody, but if anybody's going to do it, it's got to be slow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Slew would do it. How old yeah. slew? He's young enough. Was he like 26? Oh, he's, he's a young snapper. I, I don't know. Yeah. Out he's... there in New York. <laughs> Listen, man. That, I don't know if it's, see, I'm one of these, I'm one of these, I'm one of these guys that like, I need my sleep. Like if I get less than seven hours, I'm, I'm useless. I always was like, man, I could never. And also I'm like a very light sleeper. Right. I need everything to be perfect. I'm like, oh, I could have never been, you know, one of those Navy SEAL Marines that can just like sleep in the helicopter on the way of the mission or something. Oh, I'm like, wow. I no, I need my, I need my, my pillow, and I need, I need everything cold and dark. So no, <laughs> no sleep is. That'd be rough. That'd be really yeah. rough. Oh, the painting the painting quality the painting quality would suffer a lot <laughs> oh no it's, it goes out the window as soon as you do that like and, and this is i mean going back to the physical training and just keeping your your health in check if you're not feeling great or firing on all cylinders it, it, mentally you suffer and if mentally you're not there then then the painting you know inevitably yeah. suffers as well like 
that's what kind of that's why I was trying to maintain the fitness thing. It's it's kind of difficult at the moment finding my feet again with with an infant in the house. I mean, he's kind of really. I've, I've seen you on the on the rower on the out in the lake. Oh, the kayak. Yeah, yeah. The kayak. Yeah. 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 But the, but the, <laughs> that's the, good. My, my baby's not with me in the kayak. No, no. I've got oh, the, yeah, no, no. the dog with me. But uh, yeah, yeah. But no, that, that's good that exercise. Is, that is very physical, especially, you know, when the wind changes. It's all nice and calm when you go out and then you're fighting to get home. Yeah, that's 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 a trip. But um, oh, listen, man, this has been so fun. Um, tell us what what's next for you. What can we look forward to on your YouTube channel coming up? What are some of the things you really want to get into over the next couple of years? Um, keep doing what I'm doing. I, I, like I said, I want to look into making more plain air videos and, and traveling, doing that. Um, I'm working on a portrait course to break down the process of, you know, the way I paint a portrait and everything. So I've been working a lot on that. That's been quite a, a, a challenge in, in making that. Um, and also, I, I want to kind of, I've been, now that I've been doing this for a bit, I can kind of like plan out my year and I want to map out some, some me time to kind of just paint things I want to paint and kind of develop some ideas, not necessarily like filming it. Um, but I'm, but my main concern is definitely just seeing, always seeing where I can go with the channel to to help people more, you know, it's not just grow the channel or do things that are, I think would be cool. Like I always want to make sure I'm, I'm delivering valuable information to people and, and helping them understand painting and the process and, and what they can, they can get out of it. Cause I think people, especially in this day and age, what you're talking about making something with your hands not even it doesn't even have to be painting but i think that's missing from so many people and causing a lot of uh issues you know mentally with people that you know not having something to do with your hands and, and having the physical thing to represent for the hard work that you put in certain level of satisfaction and in, uh, in doing that that's just i think ingrained in us as people and when it's not there it it can kind of mess with you and uh i think it's you know, really important for people to have something that, you know, some kind of craft that they can do, even if it's a hobby. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm up to now. Awesome. I, yeah, the, for the channel. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, man, it has been such a pleasure. Chris Warner, oh, yeah. paint coach. Thank you for being on this episode of the creative endeavor. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, I really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Creative Endeavor podcast. Thank you so much to Chris Fornatero for joining me. What an epic guy. What a fantastic episode. I really just, wow, inspiring. I think the biggest takeaway from me is his, his approach to his creative journey. And that one thing that that is still ringing in my ears that I, I i appreciate so much is when he was talking about you know okay the trick with youtube or the trick with social media it's being consistent 
And he's like, oh, I, I can be consistent. I got that. And, you know, it's this discipline that he got from his past life of being an athlete. And that discipline that he applies to every single walk that, he, that he's engaged in, his creative journey or anything else, this guy is just going to show up. And, um, you know, I had said before in the past, look, uh, you know, I might not be the best painter out there. I mean, I, and I know I'm not, okay? I'm not saying that. Uh, but I, I said, you, you will not outwork me. And that's just kind of something that I found was helpful for me, just for mindset to push me along. No one's going to outwork me. I'm just going to grind it out. This guy, this guy might be outworking me. <laughs> Chris Fornatero, you might have me whipped here. But uh, yeah, super inspired. So if you enjoyed this episode, if you got something out of this, then... Uh, then please make sure you go and follow him on YouTube, on Instagram, and his website. I, I'll make sure I include all of those links with this episode. Um, but leave me a rating or a review on whatever audio platform you're listening on. It makes a huge difference to the show. And again, if you ever want to see the video version, I highly recommend it. Check out the video version exclusively on my Patreon page, and you'll find that link that goes with this show as well. It has been such a pleasure having your company here in the studio once again. Thanks for being here. Really appreciate your feedback, your kind messages and emails as always. Been getting loads of feedback recently on this uh, podcast. It's resonating with people. Man, that is pushing me along like you would not believe. So thank you. Much love. I'll be back with you again very, very soon in another episode of The Creative Endeavor. <laughs>